Obviously, we're going to keep sorking it. There's no question about that. Can't stop. Everybody, we're sorking it in. Watching the newsroom, please take just a minute. It's a podcast. Aaron Sorkin might choose about Will and Mackenzie making the news. You're sorking in it. You, dear listener, have made a good choice today. You're listening to Sorkin in it. I'm Brian Warren. And I'm good choice Lex Friedman. <laughs> good, better, best. Uh, yeah, so here we are. We are at the season finale of season two of not Sorkin in it, but of the newsroom. We started by watching all the movies of Aaron Sorkin. Yes. Then we watched I remember those well. all of season one of the newsroom. And then we, it, it was so good. We decided to go for season two and here we are. We're wrapping up season two, but Lex, can you tell us a little bit about this one? I believe it's called election night part two, which makes me think it might be a two parter to, to go behind the scenes of this podcast, Brian, about a TV show that goes behind the scenes of a newsroom. We typically record these every week. We watch episodes each week and record episodes every week. And last week we were supposed to record, and uh, you took pity on me and said, Lex, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this because I was <laughs> dealing with COVID-19. Oh. And boy, that was no fun whatsoever. And this was the, the week ago when we were supposed to record this episode. I was feeling my worst. Mm. So relying we on memory. <laughs> <laughs> this was the second part. So as you and I have discussed throughout the season, this was meant to be another 10 episode season like season one, but Sorkin wanted to rework the first couple episodes and they said, fine, you can and waste all that money that we've already spent, but we're going to shorten your, your order by an episode. So this episode uh, was the uh, continuing coverage, concluding coverage of election night, 2012. The newsroom has a couple different potential stories to cover. They've got potential scoops and potential things they know or might not know. Uh, Everybody still wants to resign after the old uh, kerfuffle over reporting on uh, a chemical weapon attack that the United States never did, the Genoa tip. And uh, Reese is going to get to decide. That's um, that's the daughter of uh, Jane Fonda. Nope, the son of Jane Fonda. <laughs> and uh, Mac and Will are going to keep fighting. And, uh, of course, we were continuing some of those really dumb storylines from the week prior, like mm. Sloan wants to figure out who anonymously bid on that book that she didn't sign. Uh, Brian, I don't know how you felt, but I, I have often commented on this podcast about the previouslys. I think they do a good job with the previouslys. Yeah. And this time, and I, I stand by this, I watched it again right before we started recording just because I saw my very first note. Every single story covered in the previouslys was one that made me say, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there, there, there's like kind of newsroom and Sorkin tropes that are like not the best newsroom and Sorkin tropes. Like nobody cares about the the Wikipedia entry for Mackenzie and nobody cares about this stupid book that Sloan was, that had supposedly signed. And uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of groaners walking into this one. Um, and that being said, uh, I'll I'll just go ahead and, and spill my show my cards here. I, I kind of like this episode though because I feel like those groaners are not ones that we spent that much time on in the actual episode, and so I was kind of kind of cool with how things ended up. How about you? I liked part one more, but mm. I did think that this was in the upper echelon of this season and of the series. I thought this was a good episode. This is a good newsroom, no question about it. Cool, cool. Um, I liked our very kind of opening segment because I, I listen. 
you can you a lot of shows a lot of scripted fiction are going to have things where we know more than they know yep. or we can see that you know the threes company like are we communicating about the same thing at the same time or not and i really like jim flies into that room in the beginning of the episode and he's ready to apologize for having not properly corrected an election call that he erroneously oh, yeah. had yep. and maggie's like nope that's that's, that's not why we're here. and i like that he's, <laughs> he's right i take responsibility it's my fault like, nope that's not why we're here and i thought that was funny i like that opening to the episode we have uh i don't know who this is i wrote down taylor leaks that all senior staff are resigning who's taylor Ta- taylor is uh she used to work on the romney campaign ah right right, right. constance uh, zimmer so so taylor uh, knows that uh that potentially all the senior staff are resigning. And then you've got this. Um... I like the way that they, that they reveal that, by the way. Like she approaches Will asking if she can poach some of her his best people. That, that was kind of a, a good kind of insidery way to handle that. It was good. Yeah, I like that too. And I actually even liked, I guess we're seeing a debate with um, Jim talking to his girlfriend on Skype. And they're having a debate about old media versus new media. Mm-hmm. Uh, regular listeners know I'm evading, uh, avoiding saying Hallie's name until I confirm that her name is Hallie. Um, <laughs> but but, uh, but I, I like the debate about old versus new media and who's like what news matters and how it's reported and where and stuff. Like I thought that was not prescient because it was it was already obviously clearly a thing. But I thought it was I thought it was handled well in this case. Right. Uh, it's it's I, one of the ways that they referred to Hallie as like a blogger on her own blog or something like that. And they, they kind of made her seem less than she was. Uh, I always kind of thought she was, I always thought she was kind of like an A-lister in the same way that Jim was, but I guess that Jim was kind of slumming it on the bus and she was, this was like her, one of the bigger breaks that she ever had. So, uh, but I, I guess I miscategorized her a little bit in my head. I, I thought she was a bigger player. Yeah, I think you did. Cause I honestly, I don't even think Jim is a huge player relative to, you know, he's not, he's not known for being on camera talent. So he's probably not like famous the way like a will or a, yeah. a Sloan might be. And then I think, yeah, exactly to your point now that, that Hallie is an up and comer, but clearly I mean, if, if her blog is getting traffic and she's breaking some stories there, like she's doing the right, she's doing the work. <laughs> yeah. And also like the power dynamic in their relationship, she's always felt a lot more self-assured, like comfortable in her own skin. She also just, uh, she, she would kind of like not necessarily talk down to Jim, but she would, she, uh, kind of had her shit together a little bit better, I guess. And that was, uh, and Jim was, always, he's been spending a lot of this season kind of figuring out himself. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Um, I, I was yelling at Jim, though, as he's telling more people about their screwed up call. <laughs> <laughs> telling her, like, don't do this. There's no reason to, to mention that you messed up this call. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't like that. And then my, I, I was just so unhappy with the, the storyline given to Sloan, where she's still babbling about signing that oh, book. Yeah. And I guess I guess they're saying that the, the German error was, 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 a, was a true error. That that Gary Cooper meant to write, enjoy this book, not shred this book, which to me like takes a little bit of the air out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember us kind of debating uh, why he had written shred this book, and I remember trying to like get inside Sloan, like get inside Gary's head, thinking he was getting inside Sloan's head, like of of kind of hating that she had to do this in the first place. Uh, but nope, it was just um, him just speaking poor German. Yeah, and. Uh... As we always say, boy, is Jane Fonda having fun with this character. Jane Fonda seems to be having the time of her life. And now at this party, she's like, no, I'm, I'm letting Reese decide. Reese gets the choice. Um, and while that's happening, knowing that that's what's going to happen and knowing what they think the decision should be, I guess, Will and Mackenzie 
have both kind of i don't know if they've planned it or if they just both know what the other is doing in real time but they walk away from the broadcast mm-hmm. um from election night broadcast and I, I like this moment yeah um it felt a little tve but mm-hmm. i like that they they wanted to show the folks upstairs and maybe show the team themselves that they could handle it and the team hates it and they're like yeah. no you you should be doing this and like <laughs> i didn't buy it from everybody like the on-air talent i felt like He's always been waiting for this moment. Like, of course, I'm ready to do this. I don't need you, Will McAvoy. But it's TV, so they're all like, no, don't leave us. But I liked handing it over to Don and, and handing it over to uh, Elliot Hirsch. I thought that was fun. I th- I really liked the way that Elliot, <laughs> when he finally realizes what's going on, he does. it takes, it takes him a little while, and then Will just walks away. The way that he yells out, oh, fuck, Will. Like, that was so good. Uh, it, it felt, it, it leaped past the uh, beggaring of belief to just like yeah that that felt so genuine but the way that don handled past the beggaring of belief <laughs> sorry god and the, but the way that don handled it was different right like he was he was like oh, i'm not really comfortable with this and then like he kind of his posture gets a little bit higher and he's like all right team let's do this and so he, he was kind of a little bit more of a pro and the fact that two people handled it differently painting it didn't paint it with quite as broad a brush and i liked it I also and I thought in character handled it mm-hmm. right like because Elliot Hirsch is just like I think he comes from being a nice guy first yep yep <laughs> and so that's it and then Don like I don't even think Don is like being egotistical in that moment mm-hmm. I think that Don knows that there's a job to do and it's time to do it and so if if I'm the one in charge of the room then let's go and I like that I think you're right that's a great call he talks about it later in the episode a little bit of just like I love reporting the news like that he is kind of passionate about this and the fact that he gets to do it and keep doing it um with a little bit less of the bs happening i don't know there might be something there boy i got real mad at a will scene that comes next because now will now now that they're just they've walked away from broadcasting election night Mm -hmm. will triples down to mckenzie that the ring was a prank which we know Uh. it wasn't and this is a time where i feel like to my earlier point it's being abused the fact that we know more than they do because it's just annoying like Mm -hmm. at some point we know he's going to tell her the truth at some point and this felt like delaying the inevitable this felt like not ham-handed but just it just it felt like uh, stretching out the story for I don't know whose benefit. Like maybe people who just stepped in for episode nine of season two, like I guess. But I, it felt annoying to me. Like we've already seen this conversation. Yeah, it felt felt kind of cheap. I was try. I had j- jotted down like the ring was a practical joke. He says that re- he returned it and he didn't. We know that he he didn't return it. But like, when when did this happen? This happened like halfway through the season one. Yeah, he did buy it to win an argument like that time when he bought the ring to call it a practical joke maybe is a little bit uh wait did he buy it then i yeah. thought that he had already had it and hadn't given it to her no he maybe we debated about this like i remember debating like did he really just keep that ring in his desk for the past uh six years or did he buy it just for that day like he had the receipt and everything i remember trying to zoom in to find out how much it cost which I couldn't, but she she said it cost a quarter of a million dollars. I don't know that it cost that much, but uh, what do I know about buying extremely expensive wedding gifts? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but I I I really li- I did like post the ring conversation where he's rehashing a lie that we know he's lying about. Yeah, Max says I've brutally hurt you, but I've never done it intentionally, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Will says. I'm sorry, because he recognizes I have been intentionally hurting you. And he really means it. And I like that moment for Will. Yeah. I like that moment for the two of them. And like that seemed that seemed nice. That, that, that's, that felt like the Sorkin dialogue I wanted. I agree. The I way really she, hurt you. Never done intentionally. I'm sorry. She, yeah. And she included the line, the, that's a fact and facts don't change. Like, that's some, there's something about that that like, 
maybe Sorkin could take a, a, a lift from this because like the facts don't change. Why do we keep talking about this? <laughs> We've spent two seasons uh, belaboring this argument, rehabbing this argument over and over and uh, the, but they can't let it go either. And that's what Will obviously needs yeah. to figure out for himself. Um, then this, this whole series, I think suffers from Sorkin being too, uh, willing to luxuriate in coincidence. Well, that was a good sentence. Mm. That, that felt like that felt like a Sorkin written sentence. But so, hey, guess who's? You know, I guess we already know, but uh, you know, in part one of this, we see that uh, Jim's ex and Maggie's roommate Lisa is working the party. I think we already knew that in the first half. Oh, right. And now, now we know like Jim's caught her in a photo, so now he's going to come and visit her. And I, I didn't, I don't like the coincidence of her being there. But again, I like this scene too. This felt really real. This felt like Lisa in this moment, I think, gets to feel like one of the most real characters ever in this show because she basically says that she believes that Jim doesn't think she's smart enough. Mm -hmm. And I felt for her because that's a hard thing to feel. Like, you don't think I'm smart enough for you. That feels like that's a, and that's a, there's a self awareness there of that's why we don't belong together that I found moving and compelling and sad and jim to his credit doesn't think that and i believe jim when he says he doesn't think that yeah i believe at least it does think that he thinks that and i believe that jim doesn't think that he thinks that whether jim actually thinks that that's who can say <laughs> they don't know that we know, we know yeah yeah i think uh post breakup lisa has been better than uh season one lisa it's it's been a very a richer character um where she has a lot more agency and she's not just like this cartoon um exaggerated version of what uh a screaming silly girlfriend or something would be like her working uh, the the stuff with her in the uh, what what in the like the clothing shop or something like uh, that 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 was all good yeah um and then this here with her uh just trying to kind of get by and trying to get out of having this conversation and but also like being like brutally honest that was great um and i i quite enjoyed it the coincidence part i didn't like uh like when she like bumped into someone and the glasses fell and charlie like happens to know everything about their relationship like yeah all that kind of stuff uh it was very not believable that charlie would be like oh yeah and you were with jim and jim's with you know all that kind of stuff like uh, the president of the news he should definitely be above <laughs> that yeah should not know this uh it, yeah but of course you know that it's a little bit sillier for him to to be in on it i suppose but why, so why did Jim like use this, like why this of all nights did Jim decide to go clear things up with Lisa? Like why, why does he think this is the best time uh, aside from that it gives us a beat in between some of the bigger things happening? People don't act like this, Lex. It's convenient. <laughs> She's right there. <laughs> well, he's lazy. This way he doesn't have to go anywhere and have to leave the house. He had to, he to go all the way to the 44th right floor just to go and have it out with her. I don't know. It's fair. Uh, and I guess because she's been ignoring him, right? And this feels less stalkery than showing up at her home sure. where maggie also lives so like this is like a way i, I don't know but yeah, yeah you're right it i don't know you could say it uh it beggar belief also he was worried about maggie too like he he did use that conversation to ask about uh maggie cutting her hair that's a great point and it's fascinating that lisa doesn't know what happened in uganda yeah lisa and like lisa hasn't taken any action over the fact that um maggie cut her hair and i think earlier in the episode we've got hallie saying it looks like Maggie cut her own hair, and so Jim realizes that could be a concern. And so he's like, he's asking her, did she cut her own hair? Like, is this because of Uganda? And Lisa's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Jim's like, I can't tell you. He has to tell you, mm -hmm, <laughs> or she has mm -hmm. to tell you. Um, 
And I think that that's also when Lisa says, yeah, I, I think I did see her cutting her hair. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a great scene with Don and Rebecca. Maybe that was, was coming up in your notes. Uh, that's I exactly just wrote a great scene notes. about tort reform. <laughs> that's that's pretty. All I had was like this debate with Don and Rebecca. <laughs> so I'm I'm with you. Um, this, this is where he said he talks about loving the news because like, she's like asking him like, "What's the whole point here?" And he says, "I want to keep doing the news, and I want Jerry Dantana to iron his clothes while wearing yeah. them." Yeah. Um, I, I, I actually like that debate both about the news and like you said about about frivolous lawsuits um, and then there's a runner that at first I didn't like and then eventually I did like because they paid it off well where Sloan and Constance Simmer's character and Elliot and Will are all doing the news together mm-hmm. and Sloan keeps getting cut off <laughs> like anytime they're going to throw to Sloan the producer's in Will's ear saying you got to cut to this or go over to here or whatever and Sloan can't get a thought out and at first so you it liked felt, this well, I did not like it at first. At okay. first, it felt misogynistic and negative and crappy and bad. And then much later in the episode, Sloan's like, come on. Are you doing it on purpose now? And I was like, no, it's just working out unbelievably well. So I appreciate that it's not intentional and it's just hilarious timing and that he's aware that it's happening too. Because he never seems to acknowledge, apologies, Sloan, let me do this. He just cuts her off. And the fact that he knows it's happening and that it's funny, that is funny to me. That When it was happening, not funny. That he knew it was happening and thought and found it funny despite not doing it purpose, that's very funny. So that, that was my analysis. You like it when people uh, take a moment to reflect on how funny something is. Uh, that's right. That's good. Yeah. Okay. I believe it. And so I have here in my notes, and you're going to help me remember this because remember I had COVID when I watched it. Don wants Mackenzie to forgive herself. Nothing will convince her to. Right. So he's seeing. Oh, for the screw up, for the Genoa. Yeah. He's seeing the, the kind of self-sabotage of resigning and leaving the news because he loves working with Mackenzie and Will and everybody else. If they leave, he feels he's going to feel sad and he doesn't want them to do that to him or to themselves. So it's, it's rough for him to watch and, and he doesn't believe it's their fault. Like he is so mad at Jerry for ruining all this stuff. Uh, and he, bl- he puts the blame on a hundred percent on them. And he kind of, in he uh, admires the machine of the news happening around him and wants to wants it to keep going yeah and like i actually agree with jane fonda that them resigning doesn't work here like like we've Mm -hmm. talked about when we went deep into the general tip like nobody did anything wrong other than get deceived by a rogue actor in the newsroom (laughs) yeah okay um i i I think you and i have discussed that we're supposed to be rooting for jim and maggie to get together Mm -hmm. but jim and hallie are a great couple yeah, uh, I really enjoyed the sweetness between Jim and Hallie um, when he's, you know, he, he's now rattled by his conversation with Lisa. It's like, I, I never I never make you feel dumb, right? Like, like you're not smart enough for me. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. says, you're not smart enough to make me feel dumb, <laughs> which I really enjoy <laughs> as a response. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're playing at the same level. And it's it's pretty funny. Uh, and then he, what, what does he say? He says like something about her. Not not you're just kind of weird looking or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, it's very sweet. I really like their interactions. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have this note, too, that then we see Sloan getting interrupted even when not on camera. So whatever is <laughs> happening with her constant interruptions is happening even when she's just, like, talking to people. Um, how how hard was it for you? Or how did you figure out who the donor was before Sloan did? I probably – I don't even remember thinking about it. I figured it was someone in the newsroom. Uh, it didn't even – I don't think it occurred to me it was it was Don though. Like as the episode was going, I was like, "Oh, it's going to be Don." I don't know if that was a memory or just sharp insight, but I knew it was going to be Don. 
the moment she was like left in Don's office by herself, I was like, oh, she's going to figure it out and it's going to be him. And then, of course, she does. She looks at all the the, uh, posters for the musicals and stuff, right? She figures it out, gets what the references would have been, and she goes in and uh, signs his book and kisses him. All of which was sweet and like a, a very Sorkin-y romantic gesture or moment. It felt a little insane in the middle of a broadcast on one of their most watched nights of TV. Like it felt like this is not the right time. When she was supposed to be on, it, the, the moment she walked in was when Mac was like, we'll just go without her. It'll be fine. Yeah. And he's, you know, helping run the broadcast. But, but do you remember Don's line after that? What I have can't be taught. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> they got me. And then the response do you know what the response is after he says what I have can't be taught? No, what? Mackenzie says, get her in the chair. <laughs> I like that she has absolutely no patience to celebrate Don's, I guess, win, his romantic wooing. What I have can't be, no acknowledgement, get her in the chair. <laughs> Which uh, It is funny how at some, like, talent are worshipped and treated so worshipfully. That's not a word. And then... Uh, then they're also just children. <laughs> get this get this unruly child in the chair and strap her down. Look at the light. Start uh, talking. Yeah. But what I have can't be talked about. But um, we, when, when we first saw sparks between Don and Sloan, there, Sloan was like a lot more awkward and, and didn't have... Um, but it was a kind of a charming awkwardness. Uh, and I always said from back then, like the, it seems like she's going to be the one to ask him out. Uh, so... So uh, she definitely made the first – he made the first move, I guess. But um, He wanted to get found out. And I yeah. didn't think about this watching the episode. I thought about it now in this conversation. Why else buy it? He mm-hmm. could just get the book. Like why, why buy her, and her donated book anonymously unless he wanted to get found out? So maybe he's right that what he has can't be taught because that is shrewd. <laughs> that is just This is a little different than Toby buying a house for his ex-wife. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. This is I don't know gesture. that this is a grand gesture that's going to make a, a lot of sense for, for Sloan, but I guess it worked. Now, earlier I begrudged Sorkin doing too much reminding us of the ring prank storyline, whatever, mm-hmm. that I didn't, you know, whatever. But here I had to be reminded and was was moved or touched again by this Maggie moment mm. when she's talking about why she cut and dyed her hair. She she reminded us that he had never seen blonde hair before, the, the child mm. who gets mm-hmm. killed while she's trying to take him to safety. I forgot that that's why that we, we are told much earlier in the season that that's why she cuts her hair and dyes it because he had never seen blonde hair before. And she felt that was what led to his demise, but she was trying to save him. (laughs) And (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's so anyway, but clearly Jim still cares about Maggie. And I was sad that Maggie doesn't consider Lisa her best friend anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And I understand it, but, but she's like, Jim points out what is obvious to us and, Maggie needs to be told again and again that you were trying to save the boy. Um, and Maggie's like, you and Mac are tough and Don's tough. I want to be tough. And Jim says, you are. You are. Oh, that's a good moment, Jim. That good was job. good. And then there was like a moment after that where she talks about. When she first noticed Jim. Yeah. And they were using flashbacks. And I'm usually not a fan of flashbacks, Lex, but this was super effective. I, I was, I was completely sucked in by this mm. i i like that they really looked younger from just a year prior yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i'm guessing it was more than a year in between seasons right uh I, that's a knowable fact but i did not check um but she liked that jim clicked on a yellow story like not a red one <laughs> but this seemed to me like a low bar i like that you're interested <laughs> in all news not just horrible murder news is what i was taking away from this but okay but and jim says you ran back into the building 
and she says, he's dead and I'm alive. And then he gets twerking with the, the, the uppercut where Jim says back to her, that's what I'd keep in mind. He's dead and I'm alive. And Jim says, that's what I keep in mind. Like, what a great line. What a great, powerful line. Mm-hmm. Like, you are alive. Start, start living. It was, it was a great scene. It was an important scene to have uh, where it shows she's opening herself up a little more. She's bringing people back into her life because she kept, she was closing things off and shoving people away and, and uh, kind of wallowing. And um, it's great to see that Jim can still be a trusted confidant where there was no romance in that conversation. There was no, that's right. You never expected either of them to lean in for a smooch. (laughs) It was, it was touching. It was Um, back on the broadcast. They're debating whether Will's a Republican or the fact that Will's a Republican. I thought that was weird. I think it's weird every time. I don't think they were talking about it on the news. Um, and then behind the scenes at the newsroom, Charlie is mad that the team didn't make the Petraeus trade, that they should have mm. traded so they could report on the fact that General Petraeus was going to resign. And then finally, Charlie says what I feel like you and I had said to each other, which feels like these are smart people who should have figured it out sooner. I'm not resigning, and neither are you. I don't know why my Charlie invitation is so muppety. Oh, it's Gonzo. I'm not. Re- anyway, I'm not resigning, and neither are you. What are we out of our fucking minds? Dantana doctored the tape. We waited 11 months before we reported on this. This is not an institutional failure. We proked and prodded, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, but all these embarrassing things are going to get released about us. And Charlie's like, slow and punching a guy. I actually like that one. I like that line, but as you know, and as our listeners know, I do not like her punching a person. That's not how people behave. Yep. Um, then I have written down, I don't remember, it's, is it, uh, it's Will who goes silent. Yes. Will, so Will is silent mm-hmm. and Charlie's staring mm-hmm. at him and he's like, I can't tell what you're thinking. And Will's still silent. And it's a really long <laughs> he's pause. like, this is getting it's, weird. It's gotten strange now. <laughs> and now it's clear, I guess, to you and me and all of our, all the viewers, what's going to happen. Like, what's happening to Will? And he is realizing that best intentions can, I, I'm not into, actually, I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't know exactly what Will is realizing in this moment. Oh, okay. He I've is, got a theory. Let me hear it. Okay, well... I know what the outcome is, obviously, but I'm not sure what the path is that he's taking to get there. So I think Charlie's on this big speech about how it's all kind of clicking for him that, like, they've come so far, you know, and that they are a different news organization than they were, whatever, two years ago, and that we can't just throw that all away. And any other news organization would have would have run the the story long before we ever did. So like we're better than them. And sure, we got screwed here, but it, we're we're great, you know. And we need to keep going with that. I don't not exactly sure how Will connects the dots. Perhaps it goes back to the first episode, which the title was We Just Decided To. Why did we decide to do, why did we start making good news because we just decided to. And Will has been deciding to not be happy for a really long time. Uh, so that he can win this internal grudge. But if he just decided to be happy, he could. Because he is in love with Mackenzie. Uh, and he just won't let himself be happy. And so that's what he's... He could have been happy at any moment. So he decides to go do it. That's fascinating. That's it, that's really... It's not where I took it. Mm. But I, I'm thinking about it. And it makes sense what you're describing. I was taking it more like... Basically... It's not an institutional failure is where mm-hmm. I was was what I was hanging on to. Where mm-hmm. where I think that he's thinking, you know, like, yes, the the mistake that she made was she cheated on him. Um, <laughs> her justification is, I, I guess that she she was proving to herself that she loved him. I guess is 
Mackenzie's really weird <laughs> justification of sorts. Um, but uh, there's there was a lot of uh, I don't know. I, but it felt like whatever it was is he was basically I took it at at best at he was realizing that even good people can make mistakes. Mm, and mm-hmm. He's like, okay, all right. And so now we see that he is super stoked, and I appreciated the one. And he's got the ring in his hand. My prediction was wrong this time that she would be gone. He wouldn't be able, now. They do they do mess with your expectations where he can't find her and I enjoyed that yep. where he's like so ready he's like where is she where is she where is she do you like and... the way he's running down the hall like he's like a little kid <laughs> yes he's like I have this confidence and I have this motivation I'm gonna do this right now I thought that was funny and Charlie being annoyed and confused and he's like yeah no I'm definitely resigning I enjoyed that too <laughs> <laughs> um that I, I don't remember what my note means but I know you will I have shredding paper. St- oh, the shredding paper story. Who tells the shredding paper story? Will does. Like when he's trying to propose to her and he was talking, it's the, it gets to the thing where I was saying where like the kid could have been happy at any moment. Uh, he just decided to stop shredding paper uh, when they said, right, right. This will all get easier for you if you just stop. I did not think it was a good story. Or no, a good it was joke. terrible. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then I love you and will you marry me? And then the response, what in the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> no matter what you say, I'm going to be in love with you for the rest of my life. Max says, yes, which I thought was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. And then Will's response, I thought was pretty sweet. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he said, hey, I, I'm proposing to you. And, and so will you marry me? And let me say, I think you should. I think you should say yes. <laughs> and I then think, and I don't know who to blame. And I, I don't know if it's a character choice. Mm-hmm. Or or not, but I thought that Mac and Will had one of the more awkward on-screen kisses we've seen yeah. on this show, and that Sloane and Don should give them lessons on how to kiss with some passion. Mm-hmm. And then we get we do get some funny post-kiss dialogue. Took you long enough, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know how you felt, but at this moment I started to feel like I was watching what was potentially a series finale. I mean, obviously oh, we know totally. that there's a third season, but I did not know. I, my hunch is. Sorkin did not know whether he was getting a third season when this was happening because this I wrote that down very, too. Wrap it all up. Yeah, yeah. It starts to get very, uh, very serious finale or very like final uh, movie in a trilogy kind of finale where they kind of have multiple endings and a lot of kind of swooping camera moves and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I I fully believe that they. And this this should be knowable, Lex. Like maybe by the time that it that it broadcast, people knew that a third season was coming. But I, I agree that when Sorkin wrote it, it was this might have been the end. Yeah, yeah. It's and it it really felt like that's what they thought. And then we get to kind of like now they've 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 come together, Will and Mackenzie. Like they're now an item. They're gonna get married. And then it feels like now Swork is like, all right, now now I'm in my play zone. Now I can have some fun. And this whole riff of the third generation Rockette and referencing her <laughs> as a third generation Rockette over and over again. Will says no one's resigning because I said so. <laughs> and then he he references Mackenzie's name and he's like, Mackenzie, Mick whatever, Mikhail, McAvoy, that's not gonna work. <laughs> and then there's yeah. cigars. I don't know where the cigars came from. That nope. bothered me. No, no. Uh there was the whole like debate over who gets to have the moral backbone yes. here because reese is like saying no 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 no, you're not allowed to resign and charlie's like, well we weren't going to resign anyway so you can't say that uh <laughs> yeah exactly it's like the opposite of you can't fire me i quit you can't not fire me i don't right. quit 
Reese is like, history should reflect I acted admirably. And Charlie says, there's really no way of knowing that. And then either Will or Charlie says, let's start identifying who our friends are. And Leona says, that shouldn't take long, which I appreciate it. Um, on Sorkin shows, everybody likes cigars, and that's stupid. In my experience, almost nobody likes cigars. No. Um, Maggie and Lisa are talking, so we've got that friendship maybe kind of at least reigniting a bit. Mm-hmm. Hallie published mm-hmm. her own story. We never even talked about it, but like Jim fed her a pre-written story. Oh, right. And she publishes her own, where I guess it's about what college... Mackenzie went to who cares but mm-hmm. she says thanks for the Romney interview which I thought was sweet nice little callback uh, I didn't understand why are the lead anchors still broadcasting when the election was called hours ago like I don't these know. guys there's no news here <laughs> the story is done it's it it was well it was like after midnight when they called the race for Obama midnight east coast so nine o'clock west coast polls have already all closed they I mean at, at this point they're just wrapping up a few local elections that are still getting counted like there's there's no way will's still at the desk right yeah. so that was a stretch for sure i yeah totally and then we have uh i guess what's supposed to be the compelling moment at the end of the episode that for me fell a little bit flat but maggie clicks on a yellow story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay <laughs> and then did you I'm, I'm sure you did because you're the one who taught me to but you watched the the sorkin post episode notes and Sorkin tells us that he thinks Reese is less villainous than the characters on the show do. Mm-hmm. And that's that also feels very chess-like to me, that Sorkin's <clears throat> opinion of a character is different from the opinion we've been told to have from all the other characters on the show. Um, right. And that's, like, how are we supposed to know that? We only know what we saw. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think Reese is plenty villainous, and I don't think this is a big redemption arc for him. His mom already told him she doesn't want him to do this. No. He 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 says a line where he's like, "I'm not good with bad guys, and I don't like bad guys being all bad." That's that's believable. Like I I don't like the idea of Reese being um, one dimensional, but uh, he didn't really earn his place in the way that Leona did. Now Leona had a very big turn from season one, where she was the enemy, at least a lot more villainous. And now she's like kicking her feet, feet up on the desk and like, let's go, let's go be all buddies and figure out how to make this place great. But there was still more of an arc for her than Reese. So yeah. Yeah. But so listen, I thought you may recall nine plus episodes ago, I was excited that maybe season two of the show was really going to find its voice and get better. That did not happen for me in the first half of the season, but I thought mm-hmm. that the season ended strong. I'm yeah. glad that there's a third season. I'm intrigued to see what the third season will be like. It's short. And, uh, it has as an additional executive producer, Toby Lieberstein. I think that's his name. Oh, uh, from the office. Who's from the office. So he joins as a, another executive producer and, um, maybe the show gets even funnier with mm-hmm. his hand. I don't know. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm intrigued. Um, but there's only, only a few more episodes of this series to go, Brian. So, I, uh, I mean, obviously we're going to keep sorking it. There's no question about that. Right. But, Can't uh, stop. where, where do you think the story will go? Like pie in the sky, Will and Mac are together. They're not going to break up, I assume. So what do you think, what do you think is going to happen on the, the personal lives side of the equation? The only thing we still haven't figured out is, is Jim and Maggie. And so if they don't end up by the end of season three, then that. I will be shocked, uh, but that will be a, a journey for all all of us to be on. Perhaps Hallie was here for only one season, and then we just we never see her again, which would be sad. I like Grace Gummer; she's funny. I think at this moment I'm rooting against Jim and Maggie so that he can stay with Hallie. Oh, and yeah. I'm even wondering 
I'm wondering if there's like, is there a path where Jim is going to eventually leave oh. to take another job where he can be the McKenzie somewhere else? Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I, don't know. I could see that uh, we, we've assembled our band of people. Perhaps some of them will leave, and uh, that'll be a that'll be a little heartbreaking. But maybe maybe Charlie and Maggie can get together. Like we got to find a good guy who's deserving of Maggie. <laughs> yeah, Jim can't work for Maggie forever or for Mac forever. Like that. That's uh, it's going to be right. There's going to be some perhaps some growing up for everybody to do. But I'll say this because as I think you and I have talked a lot about being torn is not exactly the right word, but but not all in on this show. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where it goes. I want to know oh, what's sure. going to happen. The The storylines have gotten, like, honestly, paying off Will and Mac makes it more compelling to me because now I don't have to wait for the obviously they will on the will mm-hmm. they or won't they storyline. Right. And and I want to say like a few episodes ago, we saw the end of the season two coming up and we're like, okay, well, what's going to happen? Somebody's going to get together, right? And we just, we all assumed it was Jim we and Maggie. We did not think it was these two. Yeah. So. We were wrong. Yeah. We were, yeah. And it's, I like that and. Lost got better once they knew they had an end date and they could start working towards it. In this case, I feel like it's a little fun for you not to know where it's going to end and have to pay off stuff because I think it's – listen, I, I've not made any successful TV shows. But I think it's sometimes a crutch to rely on cliffhangers to keep your story compelling. It doesn't have to have that for it to be good. And like, I like that we paid off some stuff here and now we can just like – be we can relish where we are and see what happens to these characters because i like them I, I like these characters except reese and don and i want to see i kinda even like don we like I don don hate, now I Come like on. Don. damn it but yeah brian I'm, I'm excited to watch season three yeah if we weren't doing this podcast i'd binge it i wouldn't even wait you think oh wow yeah well it's only six episodes long right which does raise the question did why they why only get like a half order like what what, what would happen there was it some sort of uh, you're not doing that great, but we'll go ahead and just uh, eke you over the edge of, uh, into season three, but we're not fully committed. I assume it's Sorkin burnout because Sorkin's going to mm. Sorkin was going to still write each episode or whatever. And this was certainly the peak of his wrestling with substance abuse as well. So I imagine it was some kind of that mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, that's too bad. <sighs> okay. And Sorkin's done with TV, right? So w- w- there's no more... No more shows after this. It seems that way. There are other shows we haven't watched together, but yeah, there's there's no new ones coming. That's hard oh, to yeah. tell. Which ones haven't we watched? Together, you and me. Uh, Studio 60. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the West Wing, we haven't watched that together. Sports Night. Oh, it's Sports Night. Right, right, right. That one too. All right, well, let's wrap up this episode. But yeah, let's wrap this up. If you want to support The Incomparable and this show, you go to theincomparable.com slash members. That's really it. <laughs> <laughs> you should do that. Yes. And... Uh, you know, let us know if you have any ideas for what we should cover next. Yeah. Maybe it's even a different writer. Oh, there we go. But we're not changing the name of nope. the show. If you know of any other writers named Sorkin, then then we'll do that. And, uh, of course, we'll see you back here for season three of The Newsroom, probably a week from today. Cool. Thanks for listening. You're welcome. Anything we should do in the meantime? Keep Sorkin in it! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>